0: Thanks, worship team, appreciate you guys. Hey, happy Memorial Day weekend, how are you guys doing? Everybody all right? Yeah, great to see you, sorta of lively bunch today. So it's uh, fun to be with you. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, really glad that we get to be in worship together this weekend. Um, if you're new with us, we would love to meet you, whether you're worshiping in person or whether you're worshiping with us online. If we have not had the chance to meet you yet, we would love to do that. If you are online, You can help us by clicking the connect button, and if you are here in the room, um, we would love for you to walk out of here when this is over and meet somebody at our welcome desk, and a chance for us to be able to see how we can serve you, pray for you, help you, if there's any questions we could answer for you. That's the intent of all of that, and so thanks for helping us in that way. Um, A couple things before I jump in, a couple exciting things. One is we've hit summer, and um, it's summertime for us, we have Summer Serve, here at Christ Community, and this is our opportunity to step up, give the uh, people who normally serve in Kids City all school year long, they take breaks, and we have an awesome kids program. Ministers to our kids, kids in this community, makes a difference for today, makes a difference into the future, and that works because we serve together as a church. So if you're in the room, we have this summer serve card and the seat back's in front of you. And if you have not filled this out yet, this is your opportunity to jump into what we've got going on down in Kids City. Um, we're asking for three services over the course of the summer, so three hours of service, and that will keep things moving in an awesome direction for our kids. So if you would fill this out, and if you're going to do it online, you can go to our kid page, our Kids Ministry page on the website. Um, let us know, but fill this out. And for those of you here in the room, just drop it in the offering boxes as you walk out of here, or hand it to an usher. And then what we do after you give us this information is we will call you, connect with you, get you started in our safety process, and then when it's your turn to serve, we will connect you with everything you need, including an experienced Kid City volunteer. So you, you're not gonna be off on your own in a room full of three-year-olds trying to figure out what to do. Like, we got you covered on that. So if you'll help by serving in that way, that would be greatly appreciated um, by us as a church and by our community at large, it'd be really cool. Second thing I want to say to you before I jump into this. Um, Last weekend we had Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge choirs with the ladies choir on Saturday night, the men's choir on Sunday morning, and we took an offering as a church because this is one of our ministry partners and we love these guys and we support them. And so as a church, last weekend you gave a little over $13,000 to the Ministry of Teen Challenge. So we were just really grateful. And we've got the ladies in the room tonight. We love you. We're for you. We know, yeah. So thank you for your generosity towards what God's doing at Teen Challenge. It's it's really cool stuff. So I'm glad you're here on this Memorial Day weekend. We are launching a new series. It's the first series of the summer. And we're calling this series Words for When You Have No Words. Because sometimes there are things that happen in our lives and we don't know what to say. It could be something that is amazing, it could be something that is devastating, it could be something that is confusing, it could be something that you have never experienced before and you find yourself in that situation and you don't know what to say or what you're thinking of saying, like your filter is in place and you know, those words, I should not say that in these moments, but I don't know what else to say or what you're wondering about, is, like, is, is this gonna be helpful? And so we wanna talk this summer about about words, how to have words when, when you have no words. This is a series in the Psalms. and What God has done for us, God has given us the Psalms, they're the ancient prayers, the ancient songs of God's people, and they come to us through, they're ancient people, but they're real people living real life, and these are, for, for folks like us, or people like us, these are, these are words for when we have no words. And, and some of the Psalms are about things that are, that are light and fun and happy and praise and thanksgiving and some of them are about things that are devastating like, like betrayal and, and illness and death. Like it's, it runs the whole gamut of the emotions of our lives and, and you and I this summer we're gonna get to experience how God would give to us words in moments where we just have no words. Words that we can speak to him in prayer, words that we can say to ourselves when we're saying things maybe that aren't helpful or healthy, words that we can say to other people. When we, don't, when we just don't know what to say, God gives to us words for when we have no words. So we're gonna launch this series, it's one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 8. And because it's Memorial Day weekend, because it's the beginning of beautiful Minnesota summer, Psalm 8, is a, it's a meditation on the first two chapters of the Bible, Genesis chapters one and two. It's a poetic, creative meditation on the creation account And this is a great opportunity, if you're a person who likes to be outside. I love to be outside, outdoors is my happy place. And Psalm 8 is a psalm that when you find yourself just amazed at the beauty of what you're experiencing when you're outside and you have no words, Psalm 8 gives you words to speak. And and even if you're looking at something and you're saying, that's amazing, that's beautiful, what Psalm 8 does for you is it'll deepen that experience of, of being outdoors experiencing God's creation. So we're gonna, we're gonna look at Psalm eight today. This is a Psalm of praise, and again, it's this meditation on, on the creation account in the Bible, Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two. And I'm just gonna gotta work our way through some of these verses in the Psalms. So it starts with this statement. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. And so this first line of the psalm, it's actually repeated in the last line of the psalm. And so that first line about Lord our Lord and about his name, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about that at the end of our time together. But that second sentence there says, you have set your glory in the heavens. What God has done is he has, he has revealed himself in part, he has made himself known in what he has created. And so, so when you and I are sitting at a campfire, some beautiful summer evening and you're looking to the sky and you're enjoying around you, you're enjoying just the night air around you. Like there's some things that you could learn and know about God just by what you're experiencing from him and his creation. And so what God's glory, what he has revealed about himself and his creation, here's a handful of things for you. The first thing is that he is eternal. God is eternal. So this is a mind blower to me. This is a mind blower to me. Somebody started all this. Right? When, you, when you're sitting outside and you're looking up at the sky and you're seeing the stars, or when you're sitting on the beach and you're looking out at the ocean, or you're, you're sitting in a valley and you're looking up at a mountain and you're just, you're amazed at at what you're seeing and you're amazed at what you're experiencing that moment being in creation. Somebody started this. This this didn't just happen. It doesn't work that way. There's Something doesn't come from nothing. There is there is a first cause. And, and God was present in the beginning. And when, most of the time we talk about eternal, we're talking about eternal life and we're thinking future. And so if you've been around church, you've probably stretched your brain that direction a little bit. And I think for most of us as human beings, when we think about future eternity, we can kinda go there. Because we're created to experience that. But when you think about somebody who did not have a beginning, like when you're going the other way, when you're going back into the past and there's no starting point, God has always existed. And and everything that you and I know and that we experience, it had a beginning point. And you had a beginning point and God has no beginning point. And so when, when you're enjoying the beauty of what we experience and you're, like, God is eternal. And that gives you a moment for him to, like, you could just have your mind blown about who he is that he, that he has never had, he didn't have a start date, he didn't have a birth date, he's, he's always existed. And so as we enjoy the things that have a start date, for us, like, we can, we can say, man, God, you are eternal. The second thing about God that we can know when we're experiencing his creation is that he is creative. If you're, if you're creative, like, this would be meaningful to you, the creativity of God, that when you look at the world around us and you see the variety of what's there, the variety, like what you see, the sights, the sounds, the textures, what you can feel, like the colors, it is, it is astounding. The, the different things that are present in our, the breadth of the creativity of God, it's amazing what he has made and, and you and I get to experience that and live in that and enjoy that and different contrasts that are part of this for our life. So God is eternal, God is creative, God is powerful. He's powerful, he's all powerful, the Bible tells us. But just looking at creation, when, when you think about the power of the natural world, it, how, like, how beyond us it is, the power of the wind, the power of the sun, the power of water, the power of, when you think about, God is over and above all that. His, his power brought those natural powers into to be. And, and again, thinking about the power of God that he could speak what we see into existence. It, his glory is revealed in his creation. God is knowledgeable, he knows, he's all knowing. Things that we spend lifetimes trying to understand, learning about, figuring out, we just scratch the surface on the stuff that God just, like that he just knows because he designed it, he made it, he brought it into being in the complexities of our world. When you, when you see and engage in this stuff that you're just trying to figure out and people who've been studying this their entire lives, standing on the shoulders of people who've been studying it their entire lives, that stuff God already knows. and he, So his knowledge is, is vast and we, we just we can't grasp onto it. And so the glory of God has revealed his great knowledge. And then his wisdom his wisdom, when, when you think about what our creation, what it, what it entails, and the intricacies of it, and, and just like the harmony and the balance that is required to keep our planet in orbit, or an atom together, or the ecosystem of the ocean, I'm like, when you, when you look at the balance and the harmony that's required for, for what we experience for our world to work, to keep moving forward, to stay together. The, the wisdom, there is so much finesse involved in that. It is not just brute power that God has brought to bear, and here we have this. There is a tremendous amount of wisdom where his power and his knowledge combine in finesse, and so you and I get to experience the wisdom of God in just in sitting at a campfire. on a a beautiful summer evening, and so his wisdom is evident. And then the last one, and this one might be, this one might be just kinda obvious, but to me, it's important, his sovereignty. He He is over his creation. This makes total sense, right, he made it. And because he made it, he gets to declare how it runs, and he gets to declare the rules, he gets to establish how it works, and interestingly, God's, the way that God chooses to rule over his creation, it is is a head-scratcher to me, maybe to you, it's not the way I would do it, but it's it's made known to us here in the next couple verses of this psalm, and it's good news. It's a little cryptic, but Psalm eight, verse two, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. So through the praise of children and infants, God has established something that is strong against His enemies, against these strong enemies. And and so again, this is this is good news for us to understand it. Jesus actually quoted this about a thousand years after it was first written. And when Jesus quoted this psalm, this this verse of this psalm, he was talking to what was going on. As he was talking to some religious leaders, but what was happening is is some children were actually cheering for Jesus and they were honoring him. At the same time, the religious leaders of his day were plotting to kill him. And and so Jesus looks at them and he says, hey, you know, from the praise of children and infants, God has established praise to stand against his enemies. And what he was saying in that moment was the children who in in the society of that day, those children, they had had no say-so, they had no platform, they had no authority, they had no power to establish anything. The religious leaders had all the authority and they could assert their will. And what Jesus was looking at them, what Jesus was saying about this whole deal is the way God has set this up. God has set this up so that what is small and seemingly insignificant actually is speaking into the most important things. And so from these children and infants who were honoring and applauding and worshiping Jesus, they were saying what was right. And the religious leaders who were after him and who were trying to kill him, what they had power, but they did not have power to, to insist upon and to bring about what God had in mind. And so what God set all this up is so what seems to be weak and insignificant and less than in our world actually has the ability to run and to rule over it. And so you've established, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. And then it goes on, this is setting up the next couple of verses. And I just love the picture at this point, I think the psalmist is sitting on a hill and it's David and he's looking out over this little flock, as this shepherd, and he's enjoying the night sky and he's reflecting on, he's reflecting on the creation account. And he just says, hey, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what's mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Right, and, and you've sat outside on a clear night and you've, you've looked up into the sky and you've seen the stars. So just out of curiosity, I did a little research, this prepped for our time together, on that clear night, you could only see about 2,000 stars without a telescope. So you're you're sitting at your campfire and you're looking up in the sky and you can see about 2,000 stars, and if you're in the right place and you have really good eyesight, you could maybe see as many as 4,000 stars. So do you know how many stars there are in our galaxy? Just in our galaxy, just in the one galaxy that we have, there are between 150 and 400 billion stars. Uh, and this part makes me laugh. Um, several sources I read said astronomers estimate that there are 250 billion stars, but it's give or take 150 billion, and like that has to aggravate them because there's scientists and that like that margin of error feels to me like we're just kind of guessing in this. But there are 250 billion stars. And when you and I look at the night sky and what we know now because of technology, what's beyond even all of that? When when we look at the heavens and consider the work of God's fingers—the moon, the stars that He set in place—who are you? Who am I that He would pay any attention to us? That we would out of out of the 150, 253, 100 billion stars just in our Who are are you, who am I that that he would pay any attention to us? And yet, and yet, because remember what God is like, God takes what is seemingly small and insignificant and infuses and induces it with, with significance, and yet, you have made mankind a little lower than the angels and you have crowned them with glory and honor. We're part of God's creation too. you you were created by God. I was created by God and he has made us a little lower than the angels in the grand scheme of things. You and I may seem insignificant, but we are not insignificant because we are part of God's creation. And so we fit into this grand scheme of things and, and as we're looking at that night sky and thinking about how big God is and how amazing his creation is, oftentimes it comes to my mind when I'm sitting there how small and insignificant I am. Why do I even matter? I, or you sit at the beach, and, and you're looking out the ocean, and you know, like you know a little bit of what's out there, and, and how powerless people like you and me are in, like if we get in the water, we're the most vulnerable things. Or, or when you're, I love to be at the mountains, so sitting at the foot of a mountain and looking at the mountain, the mountain never knows you're there. Like it, is, it is the most, like it is just there. And and I feel small in those moments. And when you look at creation, you're experiencing the vastness of who God is and what he has created. And you feel small. You've gotta recognize this. God has made us a little lower than the angels and he has crowned us with glory and honor. God does not want you to feel small or insignificant. It's good for a moment to recognize that out of all of, who am I? That God would pay attention to me. And he's made me, and I think that statement there about a little lower than the angels, I think that's talking about in sphere. Like the angels in heaven above and we live on the earth below. He's made us a little bit lower, but he has crowned us with glory and honor. You weren't just a part of his creation, you're actually created in his image. As a human being, you and I are created in his image and he has crowned, you with glory and with honor and when you're sitting in the midst of something amazing and massive and feeling small this is a beautiful thing to remember about yourself that I am created by God I'm a special part of his creation he crowned me with glory and honor and when you're when you're thinking about that there's going to be one of two lies that come to mind and these lies these they're not just present in these moments these are these are a couple of lies that are that if we believe them, they get us going down the wrong path. So the first, the first lie—it's really easy for us to believe—is the lie that we don't matter. Like that I don't matter. You, you, maybe look at your your track record to this point. Maybe look at what your dreams were versus what you've been able to accomplish. Maybe somebody said this to you so many times that you're starting to believe it about yourself. This is this is a lie—that you don't matter. You you were you were created by God and you were created in his image and he crowned you with glory and honor. And all of us have made decisions and we have done stuff that graffitis over his image in our lives, but we have not erased it. And God is, he is about the business of reclaiming and restoring people that he has created in his image. And so you, my friend, have been created in his image and he has crowned you with glory and honor. You matter because he says that you matter. We get, we get really interested in, in what the people around us say or think about us. And, and while it may be important in some scenario, the truth of the matter is your creator, he, he crowned you with glory and honor, and so, so you matter. And so don't believe the lie that you don't matter. And here's the other, the other side of all that is my value, I matter because of my accomplishments. Like I've I've gotten to be part of some really cool things. I've done some things. I help people. But when you start thinking about why you matter and and your contribution comes to mind, like that's a lie too, and that sends you down a different but still wrong path. If you think your value is connected to what you accomplish, that's going to take you places that are really hard for you in your future. You don't matter because of your accomplishments you matter because you were created by God. You're created in his image and he crowns you with glory and honor and it is not about what you have done that makes you valuable. You are valuable because your creator has said to you you matter. And and the reason I know these are lies is if you just if you if you think about if you think about what God has done for us in Jesus, the good news, if if you didn't matter God would not have sent Jesus to come to this earth and to die on the cross to pay for your sins, to rise again from the dead so that you could have life. If you didn't matter, Jesus would not have died for you. He, would, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't love you, he wouldn't care for you, he wouldn't have sacrificed himself for you. If you didn't matter, that never happens. And the flip side of that, if, if your contribution determines your value, then we don't have any need for Jesus. If we just try harder and do better, if our contribution is what makes us valuable to each other and in God's sight, then then Jesus is unnecessary, and I I doubt very seriously Jesus is coming to earth to go through what he went through to to do something that was unnecessary. And so when when you think about your value and your worth, it is not connected to your accomplishments or lack thereof, what somebody else is saying, good or bad about you. When you, when you look around at the vastness of this creation and you feel small, what you have to know in those moments and what is worth celebrating in those moments is that you are created in God's image and he has crowned you with glory and with honor. And then this Psalm goes on to celebrate that a little bit more because remember God, God takes what is small and vulnerable and he uses it in really big and amazing ways And so this meditation, it shows up a little further in in this psalm, you made people rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks, all the herds, all the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. God God took the most vulnerable and probably the weakest of all of creation and he put us in charge. People run this planet. And we have this tremendous privilege and we have this tremendous charge that God has given to us we get to take care of and be responsible for his creation, and not just the, cre- we're, we are part of creation, and so we have the privilege and the responsibility of caring for each other, too. And so God has taken what is weak and vulnerable, and he has given it this place of honor, and, and so you and I, even though we're small, and we seem to be insignificant in the grand scheme of things, he has, he has crowned us with glory and honor, and then he has tasked us with honorable work. And so, so we get to enjoy this. And so sitting around a campfire at some point in this summer, and you're just enjoying the campfire and the beauty of the night, you can take that a little deeper, and to know that this Creator is majestic. This whoever the God who made this, like uh, He is He is majestic, and He sees me, He sees me, and He cares for me. Tell us, there's about eight billion people on this planet, and and God sees you. He sees you. He's not looking at the people of the earth like you and I are looking at a night sky. He is unlimited. You are limited. You are limited by your ability to see. You are limited by your position. You are limited by the clouds. Like You are limited by so many things. We're limited. He is unlimited. He's not looking at a mass of humanity, this majestic God, because you were made in his image and because he crowned you with glory and honor. He sees you and he cares for you. And you could also think I'm small. In the grand scheme of all these things, I am small, but I am significant. I'm significant because my creator has crowned me with glory and honor. He makes me significant. He makes me significant. And then I get to care for his creation. I get to care for what I see around me and I get to care for the people that he has put around me who also have been crowned by God with glory and honor because they've been made in his image. And then, and then get back to the end of this psalm, this is the last thing, I wanna point this out, this psalm ends with the same sentence with which it started, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And, and so it, ra- it begins and ends with this, this idea of the name of God. And it starts that first Lord, if you look there on the screen, if you're looking at this in the Bible, you see that that's written in kinda all capital letters and that's, that's the ancient name of God, he made himself known. You may have heard the name Yahweh or Jehovah if you've been around church. And that's, that's God's personal name. That is, his, that is his up close and personal name. That is his, that his I draw near name and I enter into relationship name, it means I am. Like I am here and I am in relationship with you and I make promises. And I keep them. He is the promise-making, promise-keeping God. It's God's up-close and personal name, Lord. Our our creator God is up-close and personal. And then that next Lord, as we read it in English, is about God being sovereign. Like you're, you are up-close and personal and. You are up-close and personal and you are over and above. And the beauty of, to use the big words, God's imminence and God's transcendence his up close and personal and his over above the beauty of that is that he is in it with you and he is in it with me but he's not just a friend sitting there suffering alongside of us who is unable to help he is he is over and above and so he is he sees you and he cares about you and he has the ability to do something on your behalf to enter into and move and change and and give peace and hope like this this is This is the name of God, that he is is the up close and personal God and he is the over and above God and then Jesus taught us. Jesus gives us the greatest revelation of who God is and his name. He's our father, he's our father. We all need a father. We have earthly fathers and where where they do well, we, we do well and where they fall short, it messes us up. And we know that about all of our lives and we know that those of us who are dads, we know that we've we've received that from our fathers and we've passed that on to our kids. Where we do well, like they do well and where we fall short, they fall short. But we all have a heavenly father who, who is up close and personal and who is a promise maker, not just a promise maker, a promise keeper. And he sees and he hears and he knows and he cares and he acts and he is, he is not just Lord or Lord, He is His Father, and He is willing to father people like you and me, be a father to us as, as we allow Him. And so that's a lot for a campfire. Right? I mean, you just I'm, I'm sitting under the stars. And this and this this eternal creative, knowledgeable, powerful, wise. God sees and cares about me and comes up close and personal and engages with me and he'll be a father to me and he gives me the opportunity to engage with not just who he is but who he's made me to be I feel small looking at looking at the stars looking at the ocean looking at a mountain I feel small but he's made me significant and he will let he will lead me into his significance for my life. And so you, you and I have like the start of this series and beauty of Minnesota summer, like we get to we get to live into who God is making us to be and who he will be in our lives. He'll be a father to you if you let him. So could I pray for us? And I have some discussion questions for you because I know y'all are going to a campfire this weekend. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're really grateful that you love people like us. We. We are astounded by your power and your creativity, by the glory that you have set in the heavens. We see all that and, and we wonder, but when we think about your, your care for us and that you would include us in what you're doing, we are amazed by that. I'm really grateful, I'm really grateful that, that we can't do anything to erase who you've made us to be. And we can't do anything to render that unnecessary. So I'm asking for myself and for my friends who are here in this room, that we would, we would be able to see you as our Father and that we would be willing to live into that. That we would let you father us through the things that are happening in our lives. And that even though we feel small and insignificant at many points, that we would lean into to who you're making us to be. So thank you and all this goodness comes to us through Jesus so we pray these things in His name, Amen. All right, so let me give you some these questions, and if you want to take a picture of the screen to have this conversation, you can do that. Or if you want to go to the website, and they'll be on the website as well. Um, so the first question, just kind of a warm up for you, is: Would you rather stare at the night sky, the ocean, or a big mountain? Like, where's your place when you want to feel like when you want to feel small and you want to know what's what's big and what's really cool out there? So what's your what's your spot? And then what attribute of God stands out to you when you enjoy his creation? You just you think about that a little bit and when you're when you're out and which one just kind of naturally springs to mind for you that you find yourself thinking about the most? Third question, which which of those two lies about your significance are you most likely to believe? That you don't matter or it depends on like your accomplishments? So which which one of those two lies because we all hear versions of them, and so which one of those are you most likely to believe? And then the fourth question is, how does it look for you to let God be a father to you? Like, what would that look like in the circumstances that you're in right now? What would that look like for God to father you in those circumstances and to be a father to you through those circumstances? And That might be a hard, like that might be a tough question. It might, there might be layers to that question, but I think it, It'll help you, it be a great question for you to wrestle through and wrestle with. And hopefully you'll have that conversation with with somebody that, that you know and love and they know and love you. So um, I think this will be a helpful helpful question, so please have that conversation this weekend. And thank you for being at church on Memorial Day weekend, beautiful weekend that God has given to us. I'm really thankful that you are here, that we got to do this worship together. I love you guys, thanks for coming. I look forward to seeing you next weekend. Have a great weekend, you're dismissed.